0: This is the Reading Instruction Show, another exciting episode, and I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson. Today, we are once again talking about students with dyslexia. I'm going to cover today, just briefly, interventions for students with dyslexia and some emotional supports that can be offered in the classroom. First of all, an intervention session for a student with dyslexia should occur no less than four days a week. Of course, five days would be perfect, and it should include variations of seven elements I'll talk about in just a minute. But these would be, or this would be the type of intervention that you'd find in Tier 3 RTI intervention. So the seven elements, of course, number one is word work, direct, explicit, and systematic instruction and practice related to letters and letter patterns. This includes synthetic phonics, analytic phonics, and large unit phonics, looking at letter patterns. Number two is word identification. This is different from word recognition. Word identification is a strategy to figure out words on the page that you know, but you do not automatically recognize. Word identification is direct, explicit, and systematic instruction and practice related to the four word identification strategies. Analogy, sometimes called word parts. Morphemic analysis, prefix, suffixes, and roots. Context clues, and phonics. Those are the four strategies we use to identify words. Too often, students with dyslexia just get the last one, just phonics. This gives them one fourth of an education as it relates to word identification. Maze and close work. Here, students practice identifying words within sentences based on context clues. These can also be used to reinforce letter patterns or as pre- and post-reading activities. Comprehension. Direct, explicit, and systematic instruction and practice related to the cognitive processes used in comprehension as well as study skill strategies. Clue. Comprehension worksheets do nothing to help students comprehend. They are remembering worksheets or fill-in-the-blank worksheets off on a tangent. The fifth element is reading practice. Students with dyslexia, all students, should be able to read and respond to authentic texts that they have chosen that are at their grade level or below. Reading practice could also include teacher read-alouds and scaffolded oral reading. The sixth one is fluency work. That would be repeated reading and other activities to develop the ability to process text quickly. And the seventh one, writing. This could include language experience activities, simple one or two-sentence writing activities, as well as the process writing instruction activities that you find in a writing workshop. So the seven elements that should be included in a reading intervention for any struggling reader is word work, word identification, maze and close work, comprehension, reading practice, fluency work, and writing, the seven elements. Now, students with dyslexia do not need something dramatically different. There are no super secret strategies that only specialized teachers uh, can use and implement. They need the same types of instruction and interaction as other struggling readers and as other readers. They simply need more intense versions of it. More intensity means more time on task, more time, smaller groups, and frequency. Now, some classroom supports for students with dyslexia, and these should be available in classrooms to help All students, of course. Number one is emotional support. Uh, Reading things takes much of daily instruction in most classrooms, especially in elementary classrooms. We have to reduce the stigma. The first thing I say when working with a struggling reader is this readers of any age, lots of people have reading problems. It's no big deal. We can help. Also, appropriate check ins like, how's it going? Are you finding any good books to read? Or, of course, emotional supports and check-ins are appropriate for all students. They all need that emotional support and check-in. The second classroom support for students with dyslexia would be audiobooks. Now, students with dyslexia need to be exposed to the same vocabulary concepts, systems of thinking, and language structures as their peers so that they do not fall behind. Their audio versions of any textbook used in a K-12 public school setting, these should be made available. As well, during free voluntary reading time or reading practice, and hopefully you're doing that every single day, You want to make audio-recorded narrative texts available to all students, give students the option, so they're listening as they are following along in the book. The third classroom support is speech-to-text programs. Most computers come with speech-to-text programs that enable students to have oral text converted directly into written text. Encourage students to use this for classroom assignments, including their writing assignments. Now, these programs also read written text back to students. Both should be used interchangeably. And I use this one a lot as a writer, having the text read back to me. Powerful strategy. As I write a paragraph, I need to know how it sounds to develop my writer's ear. So I always have the computer read it back to me. This should be available to all students. The fourth one is to break instruction into smaller, manageable parts. Students with dyslexia can become overwhelmed with too much reading instruction or other kinds of instruction. Now, this does not mean that you have to reduce (coughs) the overall time of instruction. Instead, instruction should be brief and briskly paced, followed by strategies that get students actively involved somehow. The strategy could be as simple as turn to a neighbor, share an important idea. The point is the brain learns best when instruction is provided in small bits, followed by a chance to do something meaningful with that instruction. The human brain does not learn well when it's presented with a large blob of something, a large blob of meaningless instruction followed by meaningless practice. We learn best in small bits. The fifth one is pause and process time insert this PNP, I call it, into instruction. So instead of extended exposure to a single strategy or a single instructional element, use brief bits of instruction or instructional activities with small bits of pause and process time. This enables students to think about and fully process the instructional input. So inserting these little breaks into learning sessions enables students to engage all parts of the brain to integrate new information with knowledge already stored. Remember, reading does not activate one simple part of the brain or two, the brain works holistically and interchangeably. So this is why in a meaning-based reading interventions, it's recommended that each individual activity in a learning session, be between two to eight minutes in duration, about, with 15 to 60 second breaks in between each. This is a P and P time, pause and process. It could be as simple as, How do you think you did on that one? Or, Did you notice how you stopped to see if that sentence makes sense? Or, What do you think? Or, What do you think we'll do next? Anything. To pause and create a personal interaction with the individual student or students. Pause and process time. The sixth one is to simplify homework assignments. Now, here's a story for you. Sam was a high school student with whom I worked. He had a severe reading disability, dyslexia if you want to call it that. Because of this, he'd often have to work two to three hours every night with his mother to complete his homework assignments. Now his peers usually spent no more than an hour to complete the same assignment. They're able to quickly finish their homework and go out and do teenager things. Well, Sam was inside working with his mother, struggling to read the assigned text and answer the questions. So even with his mother helping him, he'd often not be able to complete the homework assignments. Some of his teachers thought him to be lazy or unmotivated when, in fact, he was working twice as hard as most of his peers. So what did Sam learn with his overabundance of homework? He learned to hate school. He learned to hate everything associated with it. And he learned he was a failure, according to how the school defined him. Now, Sam was an intelligent young man. He could learn. He just had a very hard time reading. The amount of homework heaped on him served only to further frustrate and humiliate an already frustrated and humiliated young man. So homework is for students to practice learning. That's the purpose. It should not be used primarily as an assessment device, as is often the case some homework is helpful however too much homework can actually reduce learning in other words a little homework is good but that does not mean that more homework is better more homework does not mean more learning and it should not be used as a measuring and sorting device effective homework reinforces learning it provides opportunity to extend and practice what is learned in the class. If the focus is on students learning, students should be able to complete most of the homework with high rates of success. Now with homework, you also want to consider the developmental level of children. Children need to be children. They need to be outside playing with friends. Any homework before middle school should be absolutely minimal. In the same way, adolescents need to be socializing with friends and discovering who they are and want to be. So when assigning homework at these levels, always allot time in every class period to complete some or all of it. This enables the teacher, you, to provide feedback and guidance. The academic development of our students is important. Yes, it is, but it should not take place at the expense of of their emotional, personal, and social development. That was a little tangent there, but an important one. The seventh one is guided notes or outlines for both lectures and reading assignments. Guided notes is a strategy in which the teacher gives a student or students a content outline before either the class lecture or the textbook reading assignment. Now, these notes include the basic structure of the information to be presented with some of the most important information, some or all, filled in. Some or most, not all, but some or most. And this acts as a scaffold, so students then fill in the blanks as they listen or read. And the amount of information, of course, is dependent on the student. The eighth one is assisted technology, and this comes in a variety of forms. It could be something as simple as an audio recorder for class lectures, or a spell check device for writing. There's also reading pens, in which you move the pen over the word on the page, and that text appears on the computer screen. You know, that can be used as a note-taking device when reading, and of course, that text can be read back by the computer. And there are also reading pens that read aloud as you scan it over the text. These currently are pretty expensive, and I have no idea. I haven't seen any research on this, so I have no idea. But my my rule of thumb, if it works, it works, do it. If it helps the child create being with print and learning, do it and the last one is peer mediated learning activities these are activities in which the students in, in which you create social interaction they include shared reading activities cooperative learning activities and tea talks anything that creates social interaction around uh, the content to be learned all right this has been the Reading Instruction Show. For Classroom Support, we looked at number one, emotional support, number two, audiobooks, number three, speech to text programs, number four, breaking things into smaller, manageable parts, number five, pause and process time, number six, simplify homework assignments. And I kind of went off on a tangent there. Number seven, guided notes are outlines for both lectures and reading assignments. Number eight, assistive technology. And number nine, peer-mediated learning activities. Remember, there are no magic formulas, no special programs, no super secret strategies that only specialized teachers can use for struggling readers. Instead, there are magic teachers who have knowledge and experience in literacy learning and are empowered to use that knowledge and expertise.